special bulletin. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. In five. Check for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. You're listening to the Pro Audio Suite, a program for audio and voiceover professionals. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. Minus Robbo this week, he's taking a well-earned rest. But we do have, in Boulder, Colorado, George Whittam. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And we have Robert Marshall, who is going to be our target this week, uh, from Source Elements and someone in Chicago. Hello. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we did a show with um, our tech mate, Vin, from Avon, and uh, he was recording using Source Connect Now. Now, the interesting thing was, here's my first question. When he uh, stopped and downloaded that part of the session, his take, uh, it had all the glitches that we were hearing um, when we were going live. Now, is that supposed to happen, or did he send us the wrong thing? He sent you the wrong thing. If the recording that he made of himself in Chrome, in the recorder in Chrome, that's straight off the microphone. So it couldn't have any of the time compressing and uh, stretching and compressing glitches or the audio, like, you know, changing of the bit rate. But if there was some glitch that was caused by his actual input microphone um, or whatever is inputting into his computer, that would indeed be captured by that recorder. Now, he was using the microphone, built-in microphone, on his laptop. So, it, it, yeah, I would imagine that any glitch that it captured in the built-in recorder of Source Connect Now on the send side is is um, it's what's being inputted to the computer. But that recorder could not contain internet-caused glitches due to bandwidth. Oh, interesting. Well, there you go. That answered that question. So it was uh, he sent us the wrong file. Second question. This one comes from uh, Paul McCosh. Uh, how do I send my door audio down the line via Source Connect Now? Uh, Nexus is the best solution for that. But one way or the other, um, you you basically want to take the output of your DAW, and this time it will contain both your live microphone or your playback. So within your DAW, you decide what you're playing back, either your live mic or playback, and you will route that to the input of Source Connect Now. Um, you can either do it um, with two separate audio interfaces. So there's one assigned to your DAW and another one assigned to Source Connect and literally a patch cord in the real world going out of one interface and into the other um, is one way to get that output from your workstation and into Source Connect now. Or like I said, the Source Nexus Basic or of course Pro plugin can do that very handily uh, simply by putting the um, plugin on your DAW, it captures the audio that you want to send out, and then you make that Nexus uh, driver the input on Source Connect Now, and once again, you have your live mic and or your playback going down the line. Beautiful. Here's a bit of a general question, and unfortunately I've lost the name of the person who sent it through, but the question is, it's a general question about um, connectivity. It says... uh, uh, it would be great to know how Source Connect stacks up to the rest of the options available. For example, IPDTL, Session Link Pro, and Source Connect Now. Also, noting the key differences between Source Connect and Source Connect Now would be fab too. I can answer the first part. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, as a consultant for voice actors, I've dealt with every system, I think every system that's viable right now, That all the ones that are being used. And... So Source Connect Now compares favorably with any of the other tools out there that use the sim- a similar backend system using Google Chrome. Robert knows more about the ins and outs, you know, the, the, the nuts and bolts, but it's going to compare favor- favorably. It's going to be able to achieve the same kind of latencies, probably the same kind of audio quality. Um, Source Connect Now being free kind of sets it apart among the other solutions that are out there. But it's going to sound very, very similar. Then you've got, you know, all these other tools, Session Link, IpDiddle, or IPDTL, using similar Chrome-based tools that allow the audio to be streamed over Chrome, over the web browser. They are going to generally achieve similar results because they're using the same, I believe, Opus codec. Is that right, Robert? Opus? Um, Is that what it is? Opus, yep. And then you've got all the other tools that have been around, you know, a bit longer that don't run on a web browser that are using other codecs, such as MPEG Layer 2, AAC, uh, APTX, 
um, you know, all of these other audio codecs. And you're basically looking at tools that are using the same compression algorithms and just have different servers or different backends to handle the job of sending audio from A to B. So if you're on one system using AAC-128 mono and you're on another system using AAC-128 mono, both on the internet, you're going to get very, very, very similar or identical results. So um, it's kind of easier. It's a little easier to compare apples to apples that way if you're, if you're only always using the same codec settings. So they're going to compare very, very favorably. Some sometimes achieve lower latencies than others, but a lot of that has to do with the settings that are set in the software using things like buffer settings, the quality of the network. There's also hardware systems from, from Telos, like the Telos Zip. There's the Comrex Access and the Comrex Brick. And there's just all different boxes that are all doing the same thing, in essence, crunching your audio down into a smaller stream um, and then sending it out over the web or over the internet, I should really say. And, and they do it sometimes in slightly different ways, but they all achieve the same basic end result. That's one part of the question, hopefully somewhat answered. Robert, what do you say about comparing now and standard? Before you get onto that bit, I was going to ask George, um, because you've tried all the different systems, uh, which one do you think stacks up as being user-friendly? Ooh, user-friendly, right? That's a very good question because some of them are hardware. So if it's set up correctly by an engineer and it's a hardware box theoretically, that's very user-friendly, right? Because it's like a Telos Zephyr. It sits in a rack. You never touch the dang thing. It just beeps, and then you're on a connection. You hang up, and when you're done, you're done. You can't get user more user-friendly than that, right? It's literally an appliance. It's a phone call. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, then maybe a piece of hardware is user-friendly. But when it comes to something that can be used portably, taking it on the road used in a lot of different situations and a lot of uh, uh, different uh, network qualities and then combine user interface also into that equation because user interface is a big, big deal. Then um, Source Connect now is a really, really simple user interface. IPDTL is a victim of what I would call feature creep. They do have the ability to make a dumber version, like a dumbed-down, simplified version that's more easy to operate. But it still has a lot more features. And the initial connecting with another person on IPDTL can be a little frustrating or really frustrating to kind of to just understand. Um, and I think Source Connect now has figured out how to do that. Session Link Pro is more similar, I think, to Source Connect now in its simplicity. I haven't used it in quite a, maybe a year or more, so I don't know how it's changed. But I like systems that are not a victim of feature creep. They do one job and they do it really well and they get out of the way. And for that reason, I think, you know, Source Connect now is one of those tools that, tools that really do it well. Right. Okay. Now, the question for you, Robert, was uh, the difference between Source Connect now and Source Connect. So, so really, um, you know, when you're, Comparing them from, you know, sort of capabilities and the core behaviors, you're really truly comparing Chrome and all the variants: IPDTL, Source Connect Now, Session Link Pro. I don't know, Bedalgo Call. There's there's a whole bunch of them, and really they're all using what Google built, and they're different implementations, different organizations of those features. And when you look at what Google built for, uh, you know, put into Chrome, it was designed for a conversation with grandma, an office meeting, but truly what they were making was something that they considered for communications. And so Google Chrome's mission in life, really when you carve it out and look at what it's really designed to do, it's designed to preserve a conversation. And for that reason, it has essentially a different set of priorities and it will, in the face of bandwidth fluctuations, which there are, especially because Chrome, as part of its priorities, tries to achieve an extremely low latency con connection, almost to its detriment. And so because of that, it's much more exposed to the ups and downs of the internet. And therefore, when it does experience those ups and downs, 
it is just trying to preserve a conversation. You just need to understand what the guy said. So it might drag a word out, and then after that, go really quick to catch back up. And that might be great if all you really need to do is extract meaning from what the person's saying. But if you are recording that person, that is extremely frustrating for the recording studios on the other side. Um, because basically what you have with Chrome is a connection that if you're not listening to every moment of it, there could be all kinds of artifacts and glitches and things that you did not hear during the actual record that then when you're going through editing takes, doing things, you realize, oh, I got an error here. It dropped the audio quality there and came back out, and then it dragged on. And then after that, I went really quick to catch back up, and you have all these things that you didn't notice um, the difference when you look at the way Source Connect, standard and pro, not Source Connect now, handles that same situation is that once Source Connect makes its connection, it typically is actually going to have more latency. Not so much that it really causes a problem with the conversation, but it does have more latency because it's got a whole different set of error correction and um, you know data transmission priorities, where once it connects, it does not change the latency. It does not change the bit rate or the audio quality. And you have a much more binary connection where it is either good or it's bad. And when it's bad, it literally can, if I can emulate it, it drops and sounds like that, which is less intelligible when it has bandwidth problems. The benefit of that is that then if Source Connect Pro is used on the recording side, its entire auto-restore and auto-replace feature come into play, where it can look at that audio file, say, oh, I see a dropout. I'm going to go to the other person's system. I'm going to get the missing bits of audio. I'm going to put them right into that audio file because it didn't stretch time. So there's a place for that audio to fit right back in after the fact. And so if Source Connect Pro is being used on the record side, you're guaranteed a proper recording without having to ask the other person to send me your backup let me edit that into my file. Oh, great. What I originally edited had a different time factor than what I just got from this person because it did the stretch time, you know, time stretch stuff. So it's really Source Connect Standard and Pro have a connection that's much more geared towards, you know, not just intelligibility, but true fidelity. And it still has fidelity in mind, even in the face of bandwidth issues, in that it can restore and track that file and keep track of what it should have been had it not arrived in real time. Um, the short version is, if you're working to picture, use Source Connect Standard or Pro. Because you cannot afford to lose sync. You've got to have everything time-synced to the sample rate. You can't have it drift off and have bad sync. You know, that's so, if you're doing things that are going to be synced to picture, or if it's a promo with playback, sound on tape, that does not go well on anything Chrome. It, it does not. <laughs> it, it time stretches. Yeah. I mean, any, anything where it's really, really critical, Source Connect Pro and Standard are going to do a better job. Um, you know, I, I sometimes say, like, you know, if, if you were looking at a phone patch or Source Connect Now or Chrome, definitely Source Connect Now or Chrome is going to be better than a phone patch. But that Source Connect Now and Chrome connection is, to me, a little bit more like a phone patch that's on steroids. It's a Skype connection on steroids, but it has all that VoIPy vulnerability that all those consumer systems have. And so even if it's a radio commercial where it's not sync, but still timings, any situation where timing is critical, and part of that being timing being critical, if fidelity is critical, that's really where you get the preference for, uh, especially where the studios are preferring Source Connect Standard and Pro and things that kind of hold on to that connection a little bit harder before they start to play games with hiding things and just maintaining good enough communications. So each tool has its sort of place within the, the workflow. And where Chrome is wonderful is if you're not connecting to another studio, but you're connecting to someone who maybe is just needing to listen in high definition or in run-and-gun situations where you need to conduct interviews and there's less ability to control what the other person has, then just throwing them a connection that relies on Chrome and Chrome is like, hey, I've just downloaded it or I probably already have it, that type of connection becomes a little bit more ubiquitous and that's the advantage of that system is it's sort of run-and-gun, just launch Chrome, here's a link kind of nature to those 
So if you've got uh, a smartphone or an Android phone and you have Chrome on your phone, can you use uh, Source Connect now on your phone? You can. Um, I'm not sure what the exact state of using third-party audio interfaces with that Android device. Those sometimes become a lot more variable and there's more gotchas. I think that side of the industry is just now starting to mature. You know, it's like test early and often and see if the third-party interface that can have a phantom-powered microphone connected is going to work. It will definitely work with the built-in microphone of your Samsung, what have you, Motorola phone. But it's it becomes more of a really high-definition phone, but it's not necessarily going to be the case that it's going to be easy to get your 41.6 patched into an Android device and using Chrome all at the same time. I was time. just thinking more of the um, the client listening in. And For client it, listening in, it's wonderful, product. yeah. They can pop a pair yeah. of headphones on. There you go. High def, very high definition communications there. Beautiful. Jo- uh, George, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, um, I would think if you have an interface that works on your Android device for recording in other softwares, like WavePad for Android and some of the others out there, then there's a very good chance it'll work with Source Connect Now on Chrome. Um, not a guarantee, but a very, very good chance. So if you do want to dabble with it, Try recording something in an Android recording app. And if it hears your interface or your USB mic, probably will work, I would, I would say. Seems like a safe bet. Beautiful. Okay, I've got another question here. This is from another Paul, Paul Shanahan uh, from Final Sound in Melbourne. His question is, are there facilities running multiple Source Connect sessions at once and how does that work? It uh, happens all the time. Um, So typically, the version of Source Connect that's designed to run in what we call a multi-room environment is Source Connect Pro. We we have a feature called Multi-Connect, which was originally designed to let the same user on one computer launch multiple copies of Source Connect and sort of have a self-defined conference where they literally decide each user who's connected what they hear and don't hear you're sort of the central hub of communications in a conference call, and you can therefore record everyone separately, decide what everyone hears. Um, and the multi-connect feature mainly gave you extra logins that were all underneath the same account. So you didn't have to manage the contacts list of three separate accounts. You just had to do one, and what happens to one account happens to all the what's called the sub-accounts. But those sub-accounts can be used to log into, if you have two licenses of Source Connect say, Studio A and Studio B. Let's say that the name of the place was Studio. So user one would be Studio asterisk A, and then the other studio or the other control room, they would log in with their second license to Source Connect and do Studio asterisk B. Usually, um, Source Connect Pro lets you have flexible port configurations, so each studio would have a different set of ports forwarded from their firewall in to that specific computer in, the, in those two different studios. And then the last thing is just to make sure that you don't have um, significant bandwidth conflicts. So a lot of these places that are running with you know big corporate networks have plenty of bandwidth, but they also maybe have 100 people using that same internet connection. So it'd be a good idea to implement what's called QoS, big Q, little O, big S, or stands for quality of service. And it's a set of features that are built into the router that are basically designed to figure out who has priority on the, certainly the upload bandwidth, and as much as the router can influence it, the download bandwidth, you're trying to influence it because you really can't tell other people outside your network on the general internet not to send you data. So if your router receives data, it has to respond to it. And the way it tries to slow people down from sending it data is it responds to them slower, so hopefully they send the next packet slower. That doesn't work with all types of services. And so it's sort of like trying to control the economy by changing the uh, the interest rate, it's, or it's like pushing on a string, and maybe you get it to move a little bit, but that doesn't mean you're really going to control your download bandwidth. Therefore, we've seen some of these really big operations where they've got so many people, and maybe they're doing big FTP downloads, and who knows what else, you know, huge picture files, and they're sucking up all their bandwidth maybe for these other services. 
where they actually find that it's easier to, say, have a small, dedicated cable internet connection or even DSL that's only used for Source Connect, that's free of all the other whatever's going on with uploads and downloads and who knows people watching Netflix. And that can often be a quicker, easier way to manage bandwidth than trying to control it programmatically with QoS rules within the router. Um, but certainly it is capable and very common um, for studios to have a lot of Source Connect connections. There's you know TV conglomerates that have multiple copies running at the same time. So if I was doing, say for instance, here's an example. So there's a studio and they have one talent. Uh, so it's a two-header voiceover session. So they've got one talent actually in their booth at the studio and then the other talent is working remotely, but they're working together in the session, the two voice talent. How do you deal with the latency Mm -hmm. with that uh, situation? So I've done sessions where even a little bit more complex. I'm in Chicago. I've got a talent in LA and I've got a talent in New York and they're both interacting with each other. And the first thing to recognize is that whenever you have more than two locations involved, it's not going to be down to musical timing. There will be latency. Um, You can get the latency down so it works well for what I would call comedic timing. And especially if the actors are good, they're going to feel it out even if there is a an extra pause because invariably with any uh, long-distance uh, connection, there's latency involved. So it's generally, it feels the same as a conference call when you have a, a multi-connect going on. If you have two talent who are both remote or one local talent and one remote talent, you're able to route everything so you're recording everybody separately. Um, the script will feel maybe a little bit delayed because there is latency. No matter what communication system you use, there's always long-distance latency. But then because you recorded everyone separately, you can kind of jump in there and pull the ear out of it and maybe put it closer together the way the talent might have intended that interaction to be. Um, But generally, it's going to work pretty well, just like a conference call, you know, essentially. Here's another question for you. This one, uh, once again, I haven't got the name of the person, but it says, can you please ask um, Robert uh, to go over the different ISDN options offered by Source Connect? I believe they have one called VISDN and another bridging option with dedicated SPIDS. Sure thing. So um, there's ISDN connectivity from the various providers, at least here in the United States. The main providers are AT&T, Verizon, CenturyLink and Frontier. Those are probably the only companies we're going to run into. And each one is doing its best to no longer deliver service. And they're kind of making it painful or they're obstructing delivering new services in various ways. So what VISDN is, is a um, extension of, a, of an ISDN line. We're extending it to you, but instead of using copper from the local telephone company, we're delivering it to you over internet as the last mile. So you connect to our data center using an internet connection, and therefore there's your ISDN line uh, to use. And so the way we make this work is we deliver a, a hardware box to you, and you would plug your hardware ISDN codec into it. And then you would also plug one or two internet connections into our box, and I'll get to the two internet connection thing in a second. And so essentially what happens by doing this is that your ISDN box thinks it's at our data center connected directly to that ISDN line, even though we've kind of put the internet in between your ISDN box and our uh, um, the ISDN line that we've provisioned for you. So the benefit here is that in many cases, it's available when the phone company is not making it available. Um, it's often far more affordable, and it is always far more mobile because you can just pick up and go, and as long as you provide VISDN with a good internet connection or two internet connections, you, you've got your ISDN line. Whereas with a, you know one provided by the phone company over copper, it takes 45 days to move that thing if they'll move it at all. So it's much more of a static situation. Some of the new technology that we built into VISDN is its ability to use two internet connections simultaneously. So um, this allows you to keep your buffers low and maintain, even in theory, better than ISDN robustness because you now have two internet services where they're being used in real time, like redundantly in real time, packet for packet. So it sends the same packet out on both connections and the first arriving packet gets used and therefore 
Um, it's always getting the lowest possible latency, and there's always two immediate chances of delivering that data. So two systems would have to go down for that really to result in a complete loss of connectivity. And by using two internet connections, it at least brings it up to the same robust nature that ISDN is kind of known for. Um, so that's why we recommend using it with two internet connections. That said, we've um, delivered quite a few circuits at this point, and often the customers say, I've, I've got my order in for, for my second connection. I'm using cable as my first connection. I've got a DSL connection coming in because we recommend the two internet connections are from two different providers. And often by the time they realize that the single internet connection just works great for their own purposes and they cancel or don't bother ordering a second internet line. And that approach works well, especially if you're in complete control over your single internet line where you know you're not going to be having someone use Netflix and YouTube or whatever at the same time sort of eating into your your upload or download. Um, You can very much get away with a single good broadband connection with VISDN. You know, we'd of course like to see everyone use it with the dual internet to its fullest capabilities, but um, extremely functional with one internet connection um, and even obviously more with two. So that's what VISDN is. Um, Essentially a true ISDN line extended to you using internet as the last mile. The bridging option essentially is a bridge like any other system. So bridges use two um, different systems and sort of patched into each other. Traditionally, the user will be on some sort of IP connectivity, either Source Connect or Source Connect Now. And then instead of connecting to their customer on Source Connect Now or Source Connect, they will connect to our bridge facility. And then the bridge has the ISDN, literally a ISDN codec there, and obviously an ISDN line. And that copy that they're logged into of Source Connect or Source Connect Now is hard-patched straight to a, in our case, Telos uh, codec, and um, off they go. They're now on the ISDN network. Their audio is now transmitted to that codec and off to the other connected person on ISDN. And the audio that they're receiving from ISDN is then you know, outputted into Source Connect, and they hear it either on Source Connect Now or Source Connect Standard, or whatever, whatever they're using. So the downside of bridging, any bridge that's used, is that you're basically cascading these codecs together. You're encoding and decoding multiple times. Um, So that's not great for the audio quality, but generally it's okay, especially for broadcast and commercial work. And the other disadvantage is that you're putting these systems in series with each other. So you get the added latency of both of them combined. Um, So it invariably adds to the latency of the overall connection. The benefit of a bridge is that if you're not a frequent ISDN user, it's certainly the most affordable way to get into the ISDN network. That's probably the most attractive thing about bridging, I guess. What we have with our new bridge, instead of manually running it, which sometimes has its advantages where you have someone there who knows about ISDN, who can push buttons, make sure the connections are working and and whatnot, everything is proper, Um, But we have an advanced bridge system now where essentially through the internet you have complete control over the codec, the the Zephyr on the other side at the bridge. You can change any parameter within the Zephyr. You can reboot the Zephyr. You can reboot the Source Connect software. You can have it dial out or wait for an inbound dial. You basically have full control over the whole bridging system. And so that lowers the costs in some cases, certainly speeds things up as far as setting up. And it also brings in the ability to give users dedicated numbers so that every time they book that bridge and log in, the Zephyr takes on their ISDN numbers, or what's also known as a SPID. And so SPID is SPID. So therefore, they can give that number to their agent or post it on their website. And it takes away one of the annoying things about bridging, which used to be sort of this whack-a-mole nature, which is you book a bridge and what phone numbers, what ISDN numbers will I appear at this week? And then next week, it's a different number. And depending on what service you were using, you wouldn't even know what numbers you would get until you actually fire up the bridge. Um, what we've done with our bridge is we've made it so that it's, number one, it's booked in advance. Um, and the reason for this is that any bridging system relies on a fixed amount of hardware. And so we want to make sure that users have that available to them when they book it and when they expect it and need it to be available to them. So there's no musical chairs kind of aspect of 
when I log in, will it be, you know, do, 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 there's no circuit available for you. So you are guaranteed the hardware is available for when you need it. And because we're able to guarantee it when you need it in advance, even if you don't subscribe to your own bridge numbers, you will know what SPIDs are assigned to your bridge if you don't have your own SPIDs subscribed to. You will know what those are whenever you book your bridge. If you book it five minutes in advance, well, then you only know them five minutes in advance. But if you book your bridge two weeks in advance, you will know ahead of time what numbers you will be assigned for that bridge in two weeks. So we we provide the ability to subscribe to these numbers. And then with that, we um, we plan on providing those uh, subscribers um, reduced rates on the bridging as well. Um, so the automated or the advanced bridges are lower in cost than the manually run bridges. And then if a user subscribes to the SPIDs, beyond having the convenience of um, you know, like having their number be a fixed number, they also um, are able to book at lower rates, very competitive bridging rates. Now back to the VISDM. What are the what are the uh, costs? So it's 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 really expensive. So we are provisioning actual ISDN circuits for you, and there is uh, there, there there's a lot of infrastructure to it. Um, so the setup cost is a twelve hundred dollar setup cost, um, and that includes the hardware. It, the hardware is not owned. It's a it's a what's called a managed service. So we deliver you um, the VISDN CPE, as it's called, or customer premise equipment. Think of it as, a, in a sense, a modem for your Zephyr, in a sense. And except for the case where you pour beer in it, if anything goes wrong with it, it's basically, uh, you know, we do the advanced replacements. We manage it remotely. It's essentially um, useless without the VISDN service anyways. So the, there's a setup fee of 1200 which covers... You know, that box, provisioning that box, provisioning an ISDN line at our data center, pairing all these things together programmatically, um, getting the box to you, setting it up with your Zephyr. And then the monthly service itself is uh, $200 a month. Um, our outbound dialing uh, domestically in the US is 10 cents per minute per call. And keep in mind that for 128 kilobits per second, ISDN uses two simultaneous calls. Inbound, just like any other ISDN service, is free. And then we also have it with uh, VISDN customers with us where calls between VISDN customers are also without any charge. So that, uh, for many users, can lower costs compared to the traditional long-distance service costs that are associated with any other ISDN service. Cool. Now, there's another question. Um, Source Connect Standard, you haven't got a queue manager on that, have you? You do, but it has the queue manager that only delivers the audio to the Source Connect Pro or specifically delivering any of those missing packets to the user who has Source Connect Pro who's presumed to be on the record side, on the studio side. So Source Connect Standard has um, the sort of delivery side of um, the queue manager, but doesn't have the actioning side where it can't repair the files. It can just deliver the data to a pro user who does the the repairs. Um, If you have Source Connect Pro on both sides, that's where the auto replace feature comes into play, but typically not used, not needed for broadcast or commercial work. But certainly uh, Source Connect Standard includes the queue system. Um, It's just not intended to be on the record side of the queue system. It's 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 the version that's intended for talent to deliver their voice to a pro copy in a studio. George, do you have any questions? Oh, man. Well, I mean, when is Source Connect going to connect to Source Connect Standard and Pro? When is Standard and Source Connect now? Going to connect? I mean to say, (laughs) when are they going to talk to each other? Dang it. That is intended to be in Source Connect 4. Um, I'm not sure exactly how. It's probably going to be an account option within the the, the service. So it'll be, um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how it'll work from the, uh, the business side, but it'll be an account option. Keep in mind that when making that connection, u- users will have the benefits of Source Connect standard, its plug-in interface, its GUI, um, all these types of things, but it won't be able to do what Chrome can't do anyways. So the connection will be Opus. It will have the Skype VoIP-like vulnerabilities as far as time-stretching, or contracting time, or having the variable bit rates, the connection will be able to be made over 
you know, from standard to now, the connection itself will take all the properties of now at that point, as it will become the makes least sense. common denominator. Yeah, makes sense. It's the now is, if you want to call it that, the weakest link in that chain. It's so everything is kind of work with the qualities of what now right. is capable it, it of. Uses, totally makes it sense. It uses the common abilities of, of the system. And so now is the base. And then as you go up with Source Connect, then you're able to use, if it goes Source Connect to Source Connect, then, then you're able to use the AAC codec, AAC HELD, I think is what we're using, which is you know arguably probably better than Opus, although I'm not sure that anybody except for our dogs can really speak to those arguments clearly because um, they are very high-quality <laughs> codecs, both of them. But yeah, there's all those differences in the, the, the way the connection is handled. Cool. I have another one. How about um, iLock? We all know Source Connect and Source Connect Pro, you know, rely on iLock Standard and Pro to secure a license. Now, recently, I haven't, I don't use Pro Tools day to day, and I don't install it that often. But a new client wanted to have the newest Pro Tools, and now it's not called Pro Tools 12; it's called Pro Tools 2018, and the latest one is 0.4. Right. And so they're using the Adobe Audition. Model it's the date of subscription. It's the date of the yeah. release, is what it is. So they they yeah, they released the latest version in April, basically. Right. For that person. So, but this was the first version of Pro Tools I've seen that can license to an iLock cloud yes. license. Uh, is that coming to Source Connect? I hope so. I, I don't know exactly for sure, but I see no reason why we, we're, we're, we're also just like Avid and Pro Tools, we are also a customer of, of uh, Pace who makes the iLock, and I see no reason why we won't be implementing the, the capabilities. I know that sometimes they have different costs you know, like, well, these, these licenses that we, we have to pay for these licenses each year, um, and, right. and whatnot. So, um, barring any crazy costs or something, but we, in general, we have implemented all the features that iLock implements. That being said, you know, Source Connect Pro needs an actual iLock license, whereas Source Connect Standard can go onto an iLock USB key or a hard drive. And, and there's various reasons for that. The, the basic reason is that the, Putting that key on the iLock itself removes a certain number of vulnerabilities. Number one, the whole ambiguity of a hard drive crashing and taking the key down with it. And then, well, where did that key go? And that's what people need to understand. Like those of you that are iLock neophytes, when you have a license on a physical iLock key, then that's where the license lives, exists. It doesn't have, it's not a parallel universe where it's also sitting on a computer. And it's also sitting in your account. It's on the key. If you're not using an iLock key, the actual USB thumb, thumb drive thing, and it's only on the computer, if the computer crashes and the license is lost, it is though you might as well have just taken your iLock and threw it in the garbage disposal. You've thrown away your key. So um, people need to keep that in mind. They may like the idea that they don't have to have the iLock key. And, it, but, and it's not that you completely you know, lose your key, but... It creates a number of troubles. Like number one, if your computer takes a dive and it takes your key with you, well, you can't walk two seconds later over to the next computer, plug your key in, and just use it. So your downtime is extended by putting that key on the computer if the computer goes down. It creates a number of account issues when trying to recover or figure out how to deal with these types of lost keys. And so in general, that's why SourceConnect Pro says, no, you must use an actual iLock USB key for Source Connect Pro. because. Do you know how that works with cloud, though? Have you had much yeah, experience? So I, like, if you have a cloud key and your computer crashes, is the key still in the cloud? I, I, I believe the key is machine? still in the cloud, and I'm, I'm sure it's um, pr probably the most vulnerable place to put your key is actually on your laptop or your hard drive. The next most vulnerable thing to do is to have your key on your iLock device and physically lose it. Um, because as long as you have that iLock device, even if it breaks, you can always send it back to them and they will restore the keys that are on it. But the really gray areas come with lost and stolen iLock keys. Um, there are ways to deal with that, but it's usually, you know, to some degree, it boils down to a leap of faith of the vendor saying, we believe you lost your key. Here's a whole nother one. And so, you know, we encourage users to insure their keys. 
ILOC has a zero downtime with theft and loss recovery program. And there's ways to secure these things. But the important thing to note when you have an ILOC is that you're less likely to lose it except for your own negligence at that point. And we understand things happen. You know, you know, people have sent over keys to ILOC that got driven over by their car. Thing was destroyed, but they're able to verify its existence and those licenses are provided back to the customer immediately. Um, anytime a user is in this situation, we always provide temp licenses so they're back up and running immediately. And then we deal with all the recovery, rigmarole, whatever it might be. Every situation is unique. That's good to know. You're not dead in the water. Don't freak out if your iLock is lost, stolen, caught on fire, dog ate it. And you've got a session <laughs> in 30 minutes or an hour. Well, don't you know. we will take care of, of our customers as much as possible. But honestly, I prefer to see people put the keys licenses on a USB key and then have at least a clear understanding of the, you know, essentially that key became, it went from being a $40 piece of plastic to a $600 piece of plastic. And so recognizing the value of that and treating it as such. And then ensure it. Yeah. Ensure that key for the full retail value of all the licenses on said key Yep. when you're insuring your uh, equipment. And insurance companies will do that if they are made aware of the nature of that key, because Often they will say we don't we don't insure software licenses, but if you explain that this is the actual incarnation of that software, then insurance companies do insure these things. Essentially, the way to think of that iLock license, it is not unlike a Bitcoin. It is extremely like a Bitcoin. It's a unique file that cannot be reproduced. It's completely can only be moved around. <laughs> right. You know, there's there's a fair amount of tracking, but. It's live. If you give it to somebody else, it is alive. You, you've given it to them. It, it acts like an actual physical device in that it's completely unique and can't be reproduced. At the same time, it has some of the digital natures of being able to be tracked and whatnot. You know, if, if you had a Zephyr, you have a physical Zephyr there. If you have Source Connect, that copy of Source Connect, that license uniquely lives on your key or on your hard drive, in the case of a hard drive key. We fully intend on you know, supporting whatever it is that Pace provides. And I unfortunately am not completely clear with the nature of their cloud service. But um, I'm sure whatever Pace has done, it's as secure and as convenient as possible within the abilities of the modern world and the whole battle that is happening between these security companies like Pace and all the hackers out there who are basically out there to undo what they've secured. Beautiful. Well, I'm actually got the questions. So um, we didn't get as much response as I thought with people sending questions in. Obviously, they're satisfied. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think it's because we've, we've put out so much PR over the years. Yeah. yeah. Um, information and videos and on and on. I think, um, um, I think that might be why. That's why the yeah. questions, I think, were so specific. Like, they weren't like... Wait a minute. What is Source Connect? Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, do I need internet? Yeah. You know, these questions. <laughs> right. Do I need Pro Tools? More, that was, was yeah. what I came up do with a long Pro time tools? ago. A lot. Yeah. So that, there are these questions, Here, you know, from people that I have a question for you, George. Some research. Like, yeah. like the the hardware boxes, to some degree, I I agree are if you have them set in a very particular way, um, then they are very easy to use. But I would actually think that to a lot of people. A Zephyr and all of its menu options and the way some hardware works, even you know, even some of the hardware that's more presented like a, a web page and has somewhat of a graphical you know, user interface. Um, but I would imagine that some of that hardware is actually more daunting to some of the users. You know, you're looking at little LCD screens with abbreviated information and uh, it's not as software and point and click as maybe Source Connect oh. is. Yeah, I mean, well, think of it this way. Like, would you buy an iPad for your m- grandma and then say, have fun setting it up? <laughs> or would you buy the iPad for your grandma, create their account, show them how to use email, and get it all totally set for them so all I have to do is turn it on and use it? Right. And that's, you know, I kind of think of it as a, a end user sometime as your grandma. Right, but but, but um, you can do that I mean, with a... You, you can do that with a Zephyr. You can do that with, with a hardware box. You can also set up a computer. I guess the thing that's true though is that once you set a Zephyr up, 
someone would very deliberately have to go in there and change the settings. Whereas with a computer and software, there's more ample opportunity to make it change in some way because the audio is not, you know, the audio is another third-party addition to the system. It's not an XLR jack on the back of it. So there are more sort of places where things can change. And I had one other question, actually, because I found your responses really, really enlightening, actually. In terms of Source Connect now and its simplicity compared to Source Connect standard and its simplicity, if you remove the port nature of Source Connect standard and you say it's going to rely completely on Source Stream, which is probably something that we should kind of cover here a little bit. Do you, do, you, do you still think that Source Connect now is much more simple than launch Source Connect standard and connect to a contact in the list? Well, it's simple from the aspect, aspect that I can send any of my clients a Source Connect now link and they're connecting they're going to connect to me on their computer uh, with a few exceptions but pretty much that is the simplicity user thing that is nice and i know that's going to change now with 4.0 because i can have 4.0 running and then they'll have that same ability and just run 4.0 and when that happens i i won't have to use source connect now in chrome anymore which i'll be very happy about (laughs) um or you know in the dedicated app it'll be nice to just have one app to rule them all so standard right now is very stripped down, but has just the right amount of features. It's very nice. And uh, it's actually very user-friendly. Um, I don't think you could make it much more user-friendly, really. That's the reason why now, to me, is better for some circumstances, but standard is, is a really slick... Slick isn't, a nice, isn't really a good word. It's a clean interface. Yeah, ho- ho- it's hopefully pretty it's, darn easy to get around. Yeah, ho- hopefully it has just the stuff that's necessary to be flexible, but not to be too confusing is our idea with it um, as much as possible. Well, I, but talking about ISDN and uh, Source Connect, um, my ISDN box when I got that took me ages to work out what the hell I was supposed to do with it. And I must admit, because I use it so infrequently, I... I have to sit there and think about what I'm doing when I do use it. I don't find it that intuitive. With um, Source Connect, I find that dead easy. The only thing that I got stuck with, which Robert is aware of because I think I bugged you a few times, was um, uh, setting up uh, a static IP. Uh, that was the only issue I've had. Uh, the, the port the port forwarding, yeah, right. That's the only issue I've had, but uh, everything else is perfect. Right on, right on, right on. All right, as we got to the end of our Source Connect special, I'm obviously have one last question, which is for Robert to wind up the show. And this one was seen on LinkedIn. It was about a week or so ago, and it came from Marco Koskia. I would appreciate some feedback from those who use Source Connect for remote sessions, ADR, etc. I see there are several versions of Source Connect, Standard Pro and Pro X. Is the standard version with 192 stereo sufficient for most voiceover work? I see the standard version is available as a purchase or subscription. The Pro version supports up to 384 kilobits per second in stereo, but is not available as a subscription. What is your input? Over to you, Robert. What do you reckon? So the standard version is pretty much all that is needed by a a voiceover talent doing anything that's sort of in the broadcast domain, radio, TV, certainly internet, industrial spots. It is 192 stereo. It's in mono. It is actually 96 kilobits per second. So if we compare that to what ISDN does at 128 kilobits per second with MPEG-2, the reality is Source Connect uses a much newer codec, um, essentially MPEG-4 or AAC. And so what it does with 96 kilobits per second exceeds the sonic quality of ISDN at 128, or at least the typical ISDN connection. Um, from that perspective, it's certainly good enough. Uh, it's kind of purpose-built for what a voiceover talent needs. When it comes to doing ADR sessions, um, if you're on the talent side of the connection, you may want to have the Pro version because it has more advanced uh, RTS or remote transport sync features so that if you're connecting with another studio, locking to picture, you're able to push them to sync with you. Um, that's something that the Pro version is capable of. So that would be recommended. Um, But there's not too many reasons why a talent would really need pro. For the most part, uh, voice talent would need standard. It's true. Source Connect Standard is available as a subscription for $35 a month. There's a $75 setup. Or it can be purchased with an outright license for $650. And that comes with six months support. And then to maintain version updates without cost, 
live support and some access to some servers. Optionally, uh, after the six months, you can buy a support contract, which is $105 a year or so, or $28 per quarter. So in the long run, the buyout is more affordable. In the short run, the subscription is more affordable. One note about the bit rates that might get kind of geeky, but the nature of the codec is that even if you're connecting in stereo at 192, that's not necessarily really 96 kilobits per second for each channel. So in theory, even in stereo at 192, you might have better mono audio performance than the mono 96 kilobit per second connection. But that said, my feeling about connecting in general is that you use the quality that's required for your connection and you don't necessarily need to send up more data because the more data you put out there, the more you're exposing yourself to the sort of up and down nature of the internet. So send what's needed and that way um, kind of a less is more approach to that. Um, and so with that 96 kilobits per second really does, it essentially sounds nearly lossless. Um, you know, if you, if you compare it to the original, you really have to have them side by side to hear that maybe one was derived from a codec instead of a uncompressed stream. Probably confused everybody. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that bit again? I'm a bit confused there. No, 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 it all makes sense. So, uh, but, you know, if if, you, if someone did want to go with the uh, Source Connect Pro, what sort of costing are you talking about there? Oh, right. So Source Connect Pro is uh, $14.95. Um, and there is actually currently, um, we, we still have the rent-to-own option, which is seven rentals at uh, one week each rental, and it's $250 per rental. And then you have a license of your own with a full year of support. Um, and then after that, it's the same support as Source Connect Standard. It's $28 per quarter or $105 per year. Well, that brings us to the end of our Source Connect special this week. Um, next week, uh, we've got a plug-in special. We have uh, special guests joining us from Waves, from Isotope, and we're hoping to have someone from UA as well. So that could be an interesting one. So if you've got any questions about plugins for either Waves, Isotope, or UA, uh, just leave your questions on our Facebook, which is the Pro Audio Suite podcast. In the meantime, happy voicing and happy recording. See you next time. Good day to Bye-bye. you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Wipe the tear, baby, from your eye. Though it's hard to part, I know. Tickle to death to go, don't cry, don't sigh There's a silver lining in the sky Bonsoir, old thing, cheerio, chin chin, na poo, toodaloo, goodbye